Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Paul says to Timothy, he says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, and reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men and corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. And here's the verse. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is something that this new believers, these new believers that James were talking to, they needed to know that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to know that as well. To be content with such things as we have. I know I am loved by the Welcome, everyone, to our Wednesday edition of Truth in Christ. Today we learn that we should be content with what God has given us. Pastor Rob explores this section of James chapter 4 by teaching us that covetousness breeds all kinds of envy and strife. He tells us that we can get ourselves into all kinds of bad situations if we covet the wrong things in our life. We must be content with things that are supplied to us by our Heavenly Father. Paul tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Even though God tells us to ask for what we want, He will decide if what we ask is right for us. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching. I really don't watch a whole lot of television, but some of you watch television. What are you watching on television? Where is your heart longing for? Where is it wandering Is it wandering toward the Lord, toward his word? Do you desire to have the Holy Spirit upon you to be effective for Jesus? Isn't that why he put us on the earth? To be examples, to be ambassadors, to be a witness unto him? To be a witness, it says that in Acts, to be a witness unto him first. The investment he's put in us. He's saying, I want to see that investment. I want to see the fruit of it. Am I being a witness to Christ or am I being a witness to this rotten, putrid flesh that ultimately is going to pass away? The world and all that's lost is going to perish. It's all going to vanish, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. Amen. And it really is important. Right now, we need to take a serious, serious look at these things. In Proverbs chapter 27 says this, verse 20, it says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The flesh is never satisfied. And that's what James is saying to these people. Why is it that you war and you, you, you lust for these things? You don't have them, you can't obtain them, but you'll war and you'll fight and you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask amiss, and therefore you don't receive. Let's look at verse 2. He says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. These are believers. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And what is covetousness? You murder and you covet. 
Covetousness is idolatry, it says in Colossians. He says, and you will do anything, covetous is, is when you will do anything or whatever, to, whatever it is that you have on your heart or on your, your eye on, you, you'll do anything for it. And there are people today that will kill you for $10 on the street. There are people in certain areas of certain neighborhoods in our country where you'll be killed for your iPhone. They don't care. And they'll sell that for just a little bit of money. They'll sell it for $300 when it's worth 1000 They'll sell it for 300 and use that money to buy their favorite drug. Life means so little to some people because they're, they have this thing. They're, they're completely engrossed. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, his ox, his donkey, anything that is your neighbor's. Do not covet. Do not earnestly desire it. And how often do we do that? I remember we were camping recently, and, and, and I really don't think it, I, it, was, it was kind of funny. The Lord kind of caught me, and it was, it was just a fun little thing. It's not, actually not very fun at all. It, it was... Uh, I laughed because my heart is really not there, but I, but I watched this guy, and he pulls up, and I'm not kidding, it was this brand new Ford F-1250, I don't know what it was, it was, a, it was casting a shadow over our whole campsite. <laughs> this thing was decked out with all the stuff, man, a little satellite on top, you know, pulling this big, big, big rig, fifth wheel thing, hard top, it had a satellite hookup, I mean, it was like crazy. And I, I looked at that, and, and for one moment, my heart was like, wow. And then and the Lord says, really? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and you know what was even funny? Right on the front of the, of the front of his camper, this huge fifth-wheel monster, this, the city on wheels, it says eternity. I'm not kidding. It said eternity. I'm like, wow, that's what I want. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's biblical, right, Lord? It's eternity. idolatry. (laughs) But James says, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says something really profound here, and really what it's speaking about is our prayer life. You know, you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, you don't pray. Honestly, where is our prayer life? My prayer life is getting better. But I'll be honest with you, it is the hardest thing And yet, it's the most important thing. And yet, it's the thing that we neglect the most. But look with me at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do unto you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And the idea of Jesus' message there is be persistent in prayer. And during that period of time when you are being persistent in prayer, let the Lord sift and challenge you, your motives for what it is that you're asking for, and be willing to change often. Because our hearts are often wrong. And you know, in my own life, when I have prayed for things that I've, really, I've been really desperate for, God has always answered 
And I'll, and I'll, not because my heart was right, but he answered in the affirmative. Because I'm getting to the point now where I don't want to pray the silly things that I know I just want to consume on my own lust. But when I pray, I'm asking for things that are really important, and I examine why, why is it important to me. When I prayed for my wife, when we were just courting, I was praying for her like crazy. My prayer life was the best then, honestly, because she couldn't, I shouldn't, she, you know, you've heard this before, so I won't go there. But after praying and praying and praying and praying, God just continued to encourage my heart. I'm like, God, you were either encouraging my heart because you know that you have a plan and this is going to come to pass, or you're just cruel and mean. I came to the conclusion that he's not cruel and mean. And even though I couldn't see it because there was nothing there, God worked it out. And I'd be honest with you that the day that that happened was a special day. It was May 19th, 1996, Sunday night. I was sitting right here, and she sat right next to me. And I'm like, what are you doing with my head? You know, because she didn't want to have anything to do with me. But the thing, my point is, you know, when you pray and, and your prayer is right, the, the, the motive of your heart is right, and if it's the Lord's will, it will come to pass. There was a time when we had stage monitors up here, and I remember one day one of them blew up, and um, literally it was when Steve Same was here, and he was sharing, and he was making a declaration of some kind, and he pounded his fist on the thing, and literally at that moment. I've got the recording. You can hear a pop, pop, and smoke started coming out of the speakers. And out of the side room there, one of our amps blew on the back. Smoke started coming out. This started smoking. It caught on fire. So I came up right in the middle of the message, and I unplugged it, and I'm running down the aisle with this smoking monitor. But as a result of that, we had to replace them. And I remember praying for them, and we had the school going on here at the time, and the school was a a lot of money to maintain. And we didn't have the money to spend on new equipment. And I remember one day coming in here in the dark and just praying. I'm saying, Lord, this is not really, you know, you know we, those monitors were necessary and we, we needed something, the, the, the worship team. So I prayed about it and I was really earnest about it. And wouldn't you know, a couple weeks later, and, and I priced the whole thing out, I looked into it, and it was like $7,500, right, for some equipment. And I'm like, well, that's a lot, <laughs> you know. So I just, I just started praying about it. And would you know, two weeks later, somebody wrote a check. And believe me, I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't talk about the, the, the number amount, right, the, the dollar amount. But two weeks later, a check came in for $7,500, right to the T. And I just fell on my face. And I'm like, Lord, I am a, just like Peter, I'm a perverse man. You know, I was just so thankful. But God does stuff like that. But don't be slacking off in your prayer. If it's something that is, is, is a good motive, then, you know, pray about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to get you to that place where you can be content no matter what state you are in. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, he says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, and reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men and corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. And here's the verse. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is something that this 
new believers, these new believers that James were talking to, they needed to know that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to know that as well. To be content with such things as we have. You know, when I lived on Pine Island, I grew up on Pine Island in southwest Florida. It actually takes two bridges to get to it. It's a bona fide island, and it's hot and rattlesnakes, coral snakes, sharks, alligators, wonderful stuff. But I grew up on this island, and the Calusa Indians, hundreds of years prior, were, they inhabited that area. And it was littered with shell mounds. The Indians would bury their, their dead. And they were all over the island. And I'd be out playing with the woods with my friend or two. We'd find these Indian burial mounds. And sometimes people would dig through them. They'd find artifacts and arrowheads and gold and whatever. Most of the, the, real, the, most of the stuff that had gold had already been discovered, unfortunately. But as a, as a young kid, I was thinking, you know, the, the, these people were, were burying their dead. It's like they can't take it with them. But yet they believed that in the afterlife they needed these things. You know, they weren't content with just this physical life. It's like, what's going to happen afterwards? And their religion was such that I better bury them with the things that they're going to need. Right? There's a woman in 1977. Her name is Sandra West. Um, I never knew this woman, but she was buried, actually, in her... In 1977, she was a, uh, the heiress to um, her husband's oil uh, riches when he passed away. And she had a powder blue Ferrari. And this is the, the newspaper article of it. And she was buried in this big box inside of her powder blue Ferrari. And people do this. They, they bury themselves because they, they, they're not even content with the things that they've had on this earth. Now they, gotta, they, they want to make sure they're content in the afterlife. And God is saying, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said this, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly to know that at last your care for me has flourished again. Surely, you did, though you surely did care, though you lacked opportunity, nor not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Here's the great apostle Paul. He says, I've learned to be content with, um, I've learned to, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everything and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's where we need to get as well. You know, and you may not have a problem with that this morning, but some of you still do. And the, 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 the desire for these things is lurking right around the corner because there's always something that looks shiny. It always looks new. Verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Notice to ask. If it's the Lord's will, you will have it at some point. And then wait. And if you don't receive it, don't strive to obtain it. You know, in our country, when we want something, when we desire something, if we don't get it within a certain couple of days, just put it on the credit card. I used to live that way. And there's a lot of people today who live that. They have huge credit card balances because they don't have control over themselves. And they they don't ask, and they're not willing to wait how many of those things that you've put on your credit card are real needs? Real needs. Or is it just going out to eat? And then you get the bill and you can't pay for it because you don't have a budget. You don't, you're not thinking ahead. We ought to be doing that. But these things create problems in relationships with spouses. You know this to be true. There's a lot of 
uh, couples in this room where in the very beginning, or even, maybe even today, you're struggling and, and fighting over money. Who gets what? He wants the truck and the trailer. She wants more money to put away for the children's education. He wants a new snap-on tools rack for his garage, but she wants to put away money for a new car. We all have these male and female rubs where we're just like, I want what I want, and I work hard, and I deserve it, right? That's what we think. And yet God is saying, why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? Why don't you pray about that? Do you really need that? Pray about it. And if you do need it, then wait. Make a plan. Ask God to to see what he's going to do. And certainly don't do it at the expense of those you love the most. The one who you made vows before, all of your friends and family, before God. Why ruin that relationship over a desire, over a lust of yours? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now here's the problem. We often don't ask in the name of the Lord. We ask because we want it. If it's something that's really um, of the Lord, he can give it to us. He can entrust it to us. But when I want it, because I just want it, for whatever reason, I might not get that. And if I'm smart, I'm not going to strive against it. I'm not going to strive against it. I've done that before, and I've plowed through and got what I wanted, only to find that there was leanness to my soul afterwards. And you really can't enjoy it. There's no greater blessing than when God provides and he blesses you with something. There is a peace. There is a joy. And it's not going to cost you a relationship. It's not going to cost you strife in your marriage. Your family's not going to disintegrate because of the fighting that goes on. Think about it. Pray about the things. And see how many of those things are real needs. I'm learning that. Are you learning that too? I'm learning. You know, it's funny. It doesn't matter your age. It seems to be more prevalent in the younger ages just because of our immaturity. But as we get older, you start to wisen up because you go through the hard knocks and you go through the pain. And you're like, you know what? This is just not worth it. I've been down this road a few times. And every single time I do this thing and I get burned every single time. When am I going to learn? <laughs> do you ever, have you ever had that lesson? Over and over again, you're like, man, I am just such an idiot. <laughs> Lord, I need your help. Just take out that big sledge and just hit me over the head with it. Why don't I learn? Why do I hurt those around me? Every good gift comes from the Lord. Again, I'm not going to give my daughter the 400-pound chocolate bar. You don't do that. God doesn't do it either. So examine your motives for things that you desire. Just as James was telling these people, examine your heart. Why are you fighting? Why are you warring? Why are you coveting? And why don't you pray? And when you do pray and you don't get it, be patient. Wait for it. In verse 4, he says, adulterers and adulteresses, and we know what that is. He's speaking of spiritual adultery here. Because we've replaced our first love with the things of our desire. We hold that in higher esteem and in a greater place than we do the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's hatred. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And we know that when he speaks of the world, he's not just speaking about the physical world. He's speaking about the world and its, its system, the systems of the world, the lusts of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle says, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, notice the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't mean that you can't like things or even love things. It just depends on how great is that love. You know, God wants you to enjoy things. 
But let them be things that he can entrust you with. Let him be. Let it be things that your motive is right in having them, and you can enjoy them. He wants you to enjoy them. There's no. He's not upset that you want something that you will enjoy. He likes to bless you, and I love it. Sometimes I've asked him for things that are a little bit questionable in my heart, and then he blesses me with it. And I'm like, man, Lord, you're so good. I wasn't even sure if it was the right thing, and then he went ahead and allowed it somehow. And I'm like, man. And, and what is the result of that? I drop to my knees and I thank him for his goodness. The very result he was longing for now is becoming apparent. It's coming out of my life. And that ought to be the same for us. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We, our minds need to be renewed from this stuff from our past, from this old lust. Every one of us was born with a lustful nature. We desire things, we want things, and we must get it. I'll refrain from doing my Gollum voice. <laughs> Do not be conformed, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's nothing greater than the perfect will of God. Let God's perfect will be done. It's always the best. Don't settle for his permissive will. You can make his permissive will happen sometimes. God's like, well, it wasn't my best. Okay, you're going to have that, but it's not going to be what you think it is. Right? And so it's something that we need to consider. Okay? So, how do we renew our mind? We, we get into the Word and we pray. We pray. In 2 Timothy, Paul understood this, this whole idea. He says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, he said to Timothy, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. What is it that you know, you're willing to walk away from the Lord for. Everybody has, you know that phrase, everybody has their price? I pray that none of us can say that, that there's a price so great that we'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. If somebody was to give you the winning ticket to the Powerball, which we were driving on 490 and saw it's up to $654 million. After taxes, probably 450 lump sum payment. <laughs> somebody was to give you that, would you, would you walk away from everything that you've ever known? They can have it. It would destroy probably most of us. Right? Verse 5, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? See, God loves you. He's jealous over you. When we think in our culture of jealousy, it's usually negative. Because when we think of a husband and a wife or a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and jealousy can often turn deadly. My mom's a police officer, and she went on so many calls where the husband is, is beating on the wife or the wife is beating on the husband. She shows up, and she's trying to get them off of one another, and they end up beating her. All over jealousy. But God's jealous for you in a different way because he knows what's best for you. I don't know what's best for me, but God knows what's best. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I love that. He will always resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. And when you're willing to wait and be patient and not allow your life to be consumed on material things, God is going to, he can entrust in you those kinds of things. Will you let him do it? Verse 7, therefore... As a result of all of that, submit to God. Submit to Him. Is there any person that you would want to submit to? Do you want to submit to the, 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 the God who the Muslims worship? Allah? Islam literally means submission. 
Do you want to submit to a God who calls its believers to kill themselves, to take out other people whom that God hates? Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.